The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I wanted to start this after the walking with a just check in. How was the walking? And if you have any questions either about the walking or about the sitting. But I'd be just interested in hearing what you noticed and how it was for you to do the walking in that way or, or to do the sitting in that way if that was unusual or unfamiliar for you to practice in that way of just settling back and noticing what's obvious. So some time for you to share now. How was that for you? And I'm interested in knowing. <laughs> yeah. There's a mic. It's been a little while since I've done this practice, but having done it before, um, had a certain orientation of familiarity. Uh, I I was... I was... Okay, so this is thinking. I was fascinated by how the orientation towards pleasant was a predominant um, direction and yet how when it's just hearing, 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 the dynamic of human discord um, entered into the hearing and the energy, um, how sticky that became. Mm. I, I tried hearing, hearing, but the stickiness, the content was captivating and I would like I mean, I try. Here's what I tried, and then I'd like a little more skillful, direct approach. Um, I tried. You're in India. What then? <laughs> um, that was released a bit, but I finally just went judgment, judgment, and that that popped the bubble. Uh, if there is another approach that you have found useful in such times, I would like that, and perhaps to the this curious mind and it's like oh pretty ooh <laughs> is that a stuffed animal dog or a real dog i mean these things that do just kind of mm-hmm. so first first of all i just like to to say it, you know you were noticing a lot um you know just to notice the habit of your mind and it, uh it's not the same for every mind i'll just point out um for your, for your mind to mind. move towards, towards pleasant. You know, I'd say maybe about a third of the people have that tendency. About a third of the pe- people might have the tendency towards gravitate, to gravitate towards unpleasant. And about a third of the people um, kind of just... Um, uh, they're more concerned about what's happening in here. So not so much gravitating to sense stuff. So what, what's, it, what's this relationship to me? How does this impact me? That kind of thing. I mean, we all have that also. But, but in any case, um, just, just to name that this, the, the orientation that you're seeing will sound familiar to some of you and not to others. 
Um, so that, that movement that you're seeing for your mind towards the pleasant. We're not trying to stop it. We're trying to get familiar with what our minds do. And so you're seeing a pattern, a, a kind of a, a tendency of your mind to gravitate towards pleasant. And, it, you know, it's not that we're, we're saying that's wrong or bad, but get to know it and get to know, um, you know, kind of what else is going on around that. Um, you know, is that, is that a doorway through which your mind tends to uh, leave the present moment? Oh, look at that flower. Oh, I wonder where I can get that flower. Oh, I want that one for my yard. And we're gone. Or, you know, so is, is that a doorway through, through which you tend to leave? And if so, you know, just be, get, beginning to become aware of that tendency towards, oh, pleasant, pleasant, can keep you present and not getting lost. So that's one piece around the kind of noticing the orientation towards pleasant in, in your experience. The other one around noticing, it sounds like when you were doing seeing, hearing, moving, touching, that, that other one became more predominant or the... Well, I, was, I was moving through and I, knowing I sometimes can be um, t- disciplined in following directions. So I was loosening up. I like the way that we started with ease, loosening up around the 10 seconds or 10 steps. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, so it's, it's a little free in there. Um, but when I'm on hearing, I'm passing by a home and something's happening there. And so the letting go of pleasant was a practice. I go, let go, it's gone. Let go, it's gone. But on the hearing discord, that was a challenge. Okay, so you noticed, you noticed the stickiness of that, how the content pulled you in and, and how there was um, some judgment. And you, you, it sounds like you tried to use some skillful means to allow yourself to be with it. And, you know, what you ultimately came to of just noticing that judging was happening is the direction I encourage for daily life because, you know, we are trying to, uh, again, understand what our minds are about we're not trying to stop it from doing anything in particular. Another a tool that might serve you there is to check into kind of the emotional tone underneath. Not just that judging is happening, but just like the, oh, that hurts. It hurts to hear that conflict. Well, that's what I said, where's the judgment? Because what I'm judging is this shouldn't be happening because I'm in pain. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. So, so the judgment was kind of a response to that kind of contraction and and it's you know this kind of thing is very natural in daily life we see discord we see things that are painful for us to experience and we're not trying to like float through life on some bubble of you know happiness and bliss we're opening to what is it like to hear discord oh that hurts and can we not check out around that or um you know you know the judgment can again lead us out you know out, out of the present moment into our thoughts about what we're judging. The and judgment. so what does it mean to open to that, that pain of that? And so thank you, because that's what I'd like to just inquire into. Um, for my mind to release and go back to, to what is supportive of this practice right now, the offering, um, it's really an inquiry into... What works just to say, to acknowledge, bow, and move on? Mm-hmm. And in your practice, if there's something that works for you, finally, I, the last thing I said to myself, and this is where I'm, 
I'm through four different little techniques to try to let go. The India's come and gone, and I finally said, Betsy, this is what human beings do. Yes. Yes. So, so what I was I'm hearing is that initially you were trying to let go of something, and it wasn't asking to be let go of it. It was asking to be known. <laughs> and the pain of that was asking to be known. So that that's, you know, sometimes we carry an agenda in our practice that, oh, you know, something happens. I should be able to just be equanimous about it or just let it go. And sometimes that's not where we are. And so opening to where we are, that is what I'm going to encourage over and over again this week. Yeah. Yeah, next to you. I started off walking in this direction, and and I, so I was doing seeing, hearing, and then at the point where I was in hearing, an alarm of a car was going off, and then a few more steps, and it sounds like it's my car. <laughs> and so then I'm going, I could keep walking, and that'll keep going, or I could see if it's mine. So I came back in here to get my keys, and then partway to my car, the sound stopped, and... I don't know if it was or wasn't. And I thought, okay, this isn't really what we were supposed to be doing. <laughs> On the other hand, I think it's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Again, you know, my, in, in daily life, our practice is not about disconnecting from the world. It's about, you know, entering into what's happening and you know, understanding the context of what's happening. And if it was your car, I mean, mostly when cars go off, you know, they will stop after a certain time, and maybe that's what happened, you know, we don't know in this case. But, you know, for you to, in seeing that, have, it, have that thought, actually recognize, you saw, oh, there's that thought. I, can ha- I have a choice here. Either I continue walking, mindful, just knowing, hearing, hearing, or I respond to the situation, with some compassion. And so, the, you know, this is, exact, this is exactly the difference between sitting meditation where you would just, you know, okay, hearing is what's happening. Hearing, hearing, hearing. And in daily life, we, we look at the entirety of the situation. And as we see what's happening, we make hopefully skillful decisions based on what we're seeing. To me, it sounds like you made a very skillful decision to check it out and uh, the piece that was uh, a little bit, um, um, you know, that the idea that this isn't what we're supposed to be doing was a little bit of a extra um, confusion. You know, it's like it, that's we are living our lives here and trying to wake up to that. And the, and the other part was that when you were talking about different ways of paying attention. I noticed you didn't say anything about smelling, but I was just so aware of. I'm walk, uh, there's a floral scent, uh-huh. and then people had their garbage cans out. There's a garbage scent, and so it was like it was totally a sensory smell experience. Yeah, and and the the practice of seeing, hearing, moving, touching, and in general with the practices that I suggest this week, their orientations to help you become mindful. And then it doesn't, like when you notice 
seeing, it doesn't shut down the other senses. In fact, it often, if you're, if you're really mindful in this kind of more open way, it makes you more aware of other senses. So you also could have noticed or may have noticed more like you, you noticed the thought in your mind, for example, around the car alarm. You saw that as you know, a phenomenon. You saw the choice that was possible. You made the choice. So you know, that also, as we practice mindfulness with various uh, tools, it creates the conditions for us to become more broadly aware in this form, in this form that we're talking about. Yeah. It was my alarm. (laughs) I left the window open, so it tends to do that. I went and turned it off. Um, It was... um, I had a... A couple interesting insights as I was walking. Um, I was twice, I passed by a really irritating noise, noise with construction or a kid like pushing a cart and it was like, you know, railing on the, on the sidewalk. Um, and my first instinct was, oh, maybe I can change, you know, cross over and take a different street. But then I realized, oh, I'm irritated. I'm hearing this noise, and I'm irritated. And, and then it just went away. I was able to keep walking by, and I didn't have to change the course. Um, so that was like, wow, what happened there? <laughs> um, and then the second, um, as I was trying to do this exercise of hearing and and you know, all the four different things. I, I couldn't do them separately, as you were saying. it. They were just all coming together. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But um, when I got to the feet and the body, something very uh, interesting happened. I just realized, oh, my God, this is why I like walking so much. And I had never realized it, is when I really felt the rhythm of putting a foot on on the ground and there is kind of a vibration that comes into the body and so it was really like being rocked Uh while moving like I felt I was in a rocking chair but I was moving and I was like oh yeah that's the feeling I have when I go hike like this just gentle rocking Uh feeling that's kind of very supportive Um, and I had never noticed that Uh so that's beautiful to, to recognize the what actually is happening in your body, the pleasantness of that, and the body responds positively to that. The, the thing you said about the, noticing the irritation, that's beautiful to recognize that, you know, that, and that's what I was encouraging in that style of what's obvious right now. You, know, you notice the sound, and then what's obvious? Oh, tightness, irritation, and, and just noticing that. And we'll talk about that much more during the week, that, that recognition of how we're relating to what, what's obvious, essentially, that that's a hu- another big place of our, of our practice in daily life. We, we not only notice what's obvious, but we begin, to notice, we begin to notice how we relate to it. And as we notice, um, you know, reactivity, sometimes, not all the time by any means, but sometimes when we just notice, like, judgment, or we notice, oh, constriction or irritation. Just the very noticing of that creates the conditions for there to be much more freedom 
It's like when, we're, when we don't notice those things, they run the show. You know, when they're just happening, you know, when irritation is just happening and it's not clearly seen, irritation is making our choices for us. But when it can be clearly known and seen, actually we often find out actually what's more painful here is the irritation itself. The sound itself is just sound. So, you know, we begin to understand where the struggle is actually coming from in, in our minds. So thank you for that. And just one, one more, and then we'll... Oh, sorry, yeah. No, go ahead. Okay. Just, I'll jump to the end. Uh, fourth phase, feet touch ground. I really was thankful that gravity was still working. <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, I... Um, it's the last it's on, one. We'll go on to... Yeah, I, I guess I, I went off on another direction. Thing sounds, they'll sometimes actually wake me up. So I wander around. My mind's totally non-mindful, and I went towards Broadway, and there was a church, and they were singing. Stop. Just, it woke me up just in yep. a second. It sometimes happens that way. I actually stopped in my tracks. But then, it didn't go as far as it usually does, but, oh, that's really beautiful. I used to sing. I wonder if I could still sing. I wonder if I could. <laughs> so you saw the mind begin? There was a little bit of that, yeah. Begin so to take around, off. stopped, uh-huh. and then it, it kind of went off. But yeah. uh, anyway, it was for a second a nice moment. <laughs> yeah, so, so that, what you're describing, again, is a very strong pattern of our minds. You know, that, that there's a moment when we recognize something, you became aware, you became mindful, oh, singing, it actually woke you up. It, t- it brought you out of wherever else you were, in a daydream or whatever, and you became present and aware in that moment. And then you also saw the tendency of our minds to jump on what we become aware of and start thinking about it. And that's a pattern, that's a pattern that is huge in our daily lives. And, and the seeing of it is, is the beginning of, um, uh, you know, stepping back to recognize actually the moment of awareness itself. And that's the, that's the, the kind of theme I'd like to talk about for the week, um, just recognizing when we become aware and how, how possible it is to, um, to, to begin to notice that movement when we become aware, the movement out and simply, oh, awareness is here. So that, that's a, a kind of good lead-in for what I'm going to talk about later today. But um, right now what I'd like to do is to, um, to talk about some basic tools that will help, help you to uh, begin to orient towards waking up in the midst of daily activities. So these are some tools. These are, these are not quite as simple as, um, am I, you know, what, 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 what's obvious in this moment? But often what's obvious in this moment is not quite strong enough in our daily lives to help us really, you know, pull ourselves out of our habitually lost mode. You know, in our, um, in our sitting practice, we have some reminders about becoming aware. You know, we're sitting, if, if we're sitting still, we're sitting with our eyes closed, and the mind gets lost. You know, the mind, the mind goes out wandering and thinking. You know, we've got some, some physical reminders, you know, sitting with our eyes closed. At some point, we'll recognize that, that um, oh, I'm sitting still with my eyes closed. I'm not actually having that conversation with that person 
or I'm not actually in the grocery store, or whatever, you know, wherever our mind has gone. So when, we, when we're in sitting meditation, there's some kind of cues that help us to remember mindfulness. And even then, you, you know for yourselves how hard it is, you know, in sitting meditation, how often the mind goes out and get, gets lost, and, you know, then, then we remember. But in our daily lives we lose most of the cues for helping us to remember mindfulness. In fact, what's going on is all of the things that we habitually have gotten lost in, all of the habitual ways in which we tend to pick up things and think about them or figure them out or have agendas about them. So our our daily lives are lacking some cues, some supports to help us remember mindfulness. So the two things I'm going to suggest right now are adding some things to your day that hopefully will help to give you some cues. There, um, the, first, the first one is to pick any mundane, ordinary, everyday type of activity that happens regularly through your day. And then explore the possibility of trying to remember to be mindful when that thing happens. So, for instance, it might be, it might be walking through doorways. It might be um, reaching for something. It might be clicking send on an email. It, it, many, many things that, that you might do regularly throughout your day. Reaching is actually kind of advanced practice. You might think that might be an easy one, but, but reaching, you, you reach so much that um, it's, you'll, you'll miss more than you remember probably with reaching. So just pick something that you know happens regularly throughout your day. And regularly, say, through the bulk of your day. The very first time I did this, um, I was... I was in the Peace Corps, and I was working at a desk. I worked on a computer, and I was switching between DOS and Windows on my computer a lot. And so that was what I picked when I had to switch between DOS and Windows on my computer. It happened probably three or four times an hour during the bulk of my day. That was what I picked in terms of just a kind of a cue to help me remember to be mindful. Now, the way this works then is um, just deciding oh, I'm going to pick this activity to try to remember to be mindful of. Just deciding that is not going to be enough to make you mindful of it. It is not. Um, You're going to forget. You're going to forget a lot of times. And in fact, it may be, I find on this retreat, people tend to remember a little bit more than I did. I wasn't doing a retreat. I was just, you know, decided in my life, I'm going to try to remember this. I'm going to try to remember when I switch between DOS and Windows on my computer. And for me, what happened was that it would be like, you know, a day, you know, the day would go by and I'd be, you know, going to bed, making my, pulling my bed down, you know, and and I'd think, oh, I said I was going to do that thing and I didn't remember once today. That kind of moment when you remember that you've forgotten about your activity, your, you know, this, this regular activity, that moment when you remember that you've forgotten, that moment is when this practice can begin. It's not a sign that you failed. It's not a sign that you can't do this. 
It actually starts there. And so in that moment, whatever that first moment is, and all subsequent moments when you remember that you haven't remembered, in that moment, you are mindful. Mindfulness has arisen. It has, you, you are aware of what's going on. In fact, you, you've noticed, okay, I, I didn't remember that. But in that moment, then and there, you are mindful. And so what's obvious right now? So take that in. Take in what's obvious in that moment when you remember you've forgotten. And then make a little bit of a, a resolve to keep trying with this particular task. So those two pieces, when you remember you've forgotten, notice what's obvious in this moment, and then reconnect with your intention to remember that activity, that activity that happens regularly through your day. So in my experience, this unfolds, you know, kind of slowly sometimes. Um, The first time I did this, I remembered, you know, that first evening, and I, okay, I'm just going to keep trying. And that, that's the way to frame it to yourself. I'm just going to keep trying. Actually, that moment, that moment of um, remembering that you've forgotten this activity is kind of like the moment in a sitting meditation that you might notice, oh, I've, I've let go of the breath. I haven't been paying attention to the breath. And in that moment, you can reconnect with the breath. In daily life practice, it's not quite like that in that, you know, in the moment when you wake up um, tear, uh, putting your bed down at night, you know, push it, putting the bed covers down at night, you can't go back through the day and then reconnect with the thing that you hadn't remembered to do. But you can, in that moment, notice what you have become aware of, notice what's obvious, and then recommit to doing this. And so it's, it's kind of like we expand uh, the, the, the domain of practice. You know, we're not trying necessarily to make continuity. I mean, ultimately, continuity is what supports us in our daily life practice, but we can't start there. We have to start where we are, which is often very lost. And so just Noticing that you've forgotten in that moment of noticing that you've forgotten that task, that moment is kind of like the moment when you remember in sitting meditation. And so the the idea isn't to beat yourself up for having forgotten, but in that moment when mindfulness returns, we can reconnect with what's happening. So just notice what's obvious and then go on with your day. It's It's not that at that moment you want to try to hold on to mindfulness. Because one of the things I've seen in my exploration of teaching daily life practice and in my own exploration of daily life practice is that one of the places where people give up is because they think it, they don't have time to be mindful. They think it's extra work to be mindful. And it is a little bit of intentionality to connect with what we are noticing in our daily lives. But if in that moment of recognizing, oh, I've remembered about this thing, I remembered that I'd forgotten, if you at that moment feel like you have to bear down and try to stay mindful for the next five or ten minutes, probably it's going to feel like too much. It's going to feel like 
you're picking up the backpack of mindfulness, the weight of that, and trying to carry it around with you. The, the daily life practice is much lighter touch. So you remember that you've forgotten, and in that moment, just notice what's obvious, and then, you know, you don't have to try to hold on to the mindfulness in that moment. Some of, it may continue a little bit. If it does, great. If not, just go on with your day. So this, um, exploring this task that you do regularly through your day, for me, you know, the first week or two of doing that, you know, it was like I, I remembered that first evening, and then the next day I remembered a couple times that I'd forgotten and each time, it's just like, okay, what's happening now? And I'll tr- keep trying. And then the next day, it was a few more times of remembering that I'd forgotten. So each time you remember you've forgotten is a moment of mindfulness during your day that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. So this, this task of um, or, or picking something that happens regularly through your day begins to give you a sense of how much you're actually consciously recognizing mindfulness returning through your day. So it gives you a little bit of a a sense of that quality in your life, of what it is to wake up, what it is to become mindful. So over time, this, uh, you know, over the course of the week, for instance, if you keep exploring this, at some point you will probably begin to notice right after you have done that thing. And then what I see happening is once we get to the place where we're noticing as that activity happens, as we're reaching, as we're walking through door, doorways, then that activity begins to become like a mindfulness bell. It almost begins to wake us up when we do it. So it, it serves a double, a double benefit. It's, it's helped us to recognize those moments when we've forgotten, you know, to recognize, oh, yeah, it's been three hours, and I know I, I did that five times in the last three hours, but here I am, present now. Okay, just notice that. But then as we do kind of begin to connect the mindfulness with that activity, something about that um, connecting with that activity, like turning on light switches or it... it, it when we turn on a light switch, if we're walking into a room and we're turning on a light switch, something about that doing that, because we've connected mindfulness with that task, it wakes us up. And so we, we get a few more moments of mindfulness. The point here isn't necessarily to uh, you know, get perfect with noticing every single time your, your uh, activity happens. It's to encourage this recognition of mindfulness returning more and more and more throughout our day. That's really the point of this, of this, of this practice. With respect to it becoming, um, with that activity becoming a mindfulness bell, I think others, some of you who have done this retreat multiple times will confirm that um, each time you do the retreat, I encourage you to pick another task something you haven't done before. And what people have said, one, one person was using washing her hands as her activity, and she did that quite a bit. Or somebody else was using drinking water. And, and what people have described or noticed is that doing this retreat again, even in advance of the retreat, they already start noticing that those mindfulness bells come back 
and start helping them to remember mindfulness. So this, this um, activity, picking something that happens regularly through your day, is an invaluable support to beginning to weave a thread of mindfulness through the day. So that's one thing I'll suggest for you. One activity. The other is something that is um, an encouragement to... So that first one is just like a momentary thing. Turning on a light switch, walking through a door, reaching for something, drinking water. Most of those things just take a moment. So, uh, you know, that first activity is just something that happens, you know, checking your cell phone or, you know, I encourage it to be something that you initiate as opposed to something that um, you're responding to. And uh, partly the reason for that is that it it helps to, um, uh, you know, if you're responding to something, you know, like, the, the sound of your cell phone going off or setting an alarm on your cell phone or something like that, which you're welcome to do. I mean, you're welcome to, to do that as an extra thing that might help you become aware, set a little tone on your cell phone that rings every 15 minutes and just take a moment of, oh, there's the bell. Okay, let me be mindful. Um, but there's something powerful about having something you initiate be something that you explore being aware of because it begins to touch into the, the, the intentions that move us, the things that motivate us. And I'll talk more about that as the, as the week goes on. So, you know, you're welcome to pick something that you respond to, such as your cell phone going off, but I would encourage you to also pick something that you initiate in terms of this task. Then the second one is... Um, a project that might help you begin to get a sense of beginning to explore a little bit of continuity for mindfulness. So pick something that, like a chore, something that takes you anywhere from, you know, three to five minutes to do. Um, Brushing your teeth, making your bed, um, preparing a meal, uh, eating a meal. Just some normal everyday activity that you do and For this one, you know, the encouragement is to see if you can keep remembering mindfulness during that activity. So it's a little bit of the encouragement to explore what does it mean for this three to five minute period to not just let go of mindfulness and get on with my day, but actually to keep encouraging, okay, I'm eating. Can I be aware while eating? In this simple way of what's obvious, what am I noticing, what's here? while eating. Not that you have to direct the attention in a, in a particular way, you know, to, to the tastes and the, um, the smells and everything, but just what's obvious. And that may include, as some of you have, have noted in the walking, it may include, you know, thoughts that come through or, um, or m- moods or mind states that come through, irritation or liking or not liking or, or impatience. And so just noticing what's obvious while you're doing this. During that three to five minute period, it's likely that you'll lose mindfulness a lot. And that's actually interesting to see. You know, within a three to five minute period, how many times can we lose mindfulness and come back? You know, it, it can actually be a lot. So just explore that possibility of... Um, you could, you could play with just prompting your mindfulness a little bit there. 
Like, again, like we did in the sitting meditation. Oh, relax. What's obvious? Relax. What's obvious? Just for that three to five minute period. For this um, longer activity, since that may only happen once or twice a day, for instance, I'd encourage some kind of reminder. You know, if you're doing dishwashing, for instance, or unloading or loading your dishwasher, um, put a big note on your sink or at your dishwashing machine. Mindful. It's not cheating. It's okay. You can, you can use reminders to help you remember. Um, you know, if you're doing teeth brushing, put a big sign in front of where you would be seeing your reflection. Mindful. Uh, just to help you remember that activity and the intention to um, have a little bit of a thread of mindfulness for that activity. So let me just see if there's any questions about about those um, suggestions. Yeah, and if you'd use them, send them a, a mic back. Like for eating, it's hard to be mindful if um, I eat with other people because we usually talk. Mm-hmm. So how do I turn my mindfulness on and off? So I would encourage you for this first time, mm-hmm. um, pick a task or a chore there, the, the kind of the longer period, uh, where there's the, op- the, the uh, sometime where you're not engaging in talking. Uh, I would say that's more advanced practice where you can actually, you don't have to turn your mindfulness on and off. You can actually be aware while you're talking and eating. It's just a broader mindfulness. But it's more challenging. It's way more challenging. Speech is one of the hardest areas for us to remember to be mindful of. And so in this um, beginning for you to begin to get familiar with what it's like to be mindful for a longer stretch in activity, I'd encourage you to pick something where there's not other people uh, having a con- where you're not having a conversation. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So you know the morning the morning ritual is one that a lot of people choose. You know, showering, you know, or washing your face and brushing teeth and just that kind of thing where um, you know there's just a period of a, say you know even five to ten minutes of your uh, morning ritual, you could pick that. Um, and as we go, if, if some of you do, some of you who've done it before, choose something like eating meals while talking, we can talk about, you know, how, how we do that, how to, how to explore bringing mindfulness into that even too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, mindfulness can go anywhere. We can be mindful of any activity it's quite amazing, and yet what we often, we often have some idea, okay, can't be mindful while doing that. And so then it becomes impossible. If we have the idea that it's not possible, it becomes impossible. And so one of my um, uh, inspirations for myself is if I find any place or time in my day or in my practice where it feels like mindfulness is challenging, I get curious about that. And uh, as one um, um, 
monastic teacher said, you know, the, the question becomes, how is it possible for mindfulness to be here in this very activity? Not is it possible, because it's always possible. But, you know, so just that exploration. And, and what I see is if I, if I have a place or a time when mindfulness is getting lost, there's something that is new for mindfulness to begin to explore there. So to, uh, to just have the curiosity about, about it. That's a lot of also what I'll encourage this week. Yeah. Yeah. Over here. What are your thoughts on uh, choosing an activity that uh, is uh, highly, uh, you're, in a, you're in a situation where you're highly reactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of driving. Uh, I did, I had, I had a regular commute and I did uh, make it a point to be mindful during the morning part of the commute. And I found that uh, initially it did work. Uh, it worked quite well, um, even in, under the circumstance of driving where you're constantly checking things yep. out and looking, uh-huh. looking at what's around you. Uh, and uh, it kind of went in and out. It, it started out working really well, and then it didn't, and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. So uh, should we have a preference towards choosing things where we don't have that kind of demand on ourselves, where we have to be reactive to so many things, mm-hmm. like taking a shower or brushing your teeth, or is it okay to choose something like driving? I would say choose what you're interested in doing. Um, because interest here and curiosity gives a lot of juice. And so if you're interested in exploring mindfulness while driving, go for it. You know, if, if it, you know what I did, the very first practices I did with daily life, and in fact my entire Meditation and mindfulness practice began with daily life practice. I was not interested in sitting meditation. And so for the first three months of my mindfulness practice, I did entirely daily life practice. And um, the, the motivation for me, the curiosity for me uh, about mindfulness in my daily life was to, to help me understand my anger. And so the very first two things I picked were that task I told you about with um, uh, switching between DOS and Windows. The other thing I decided to pick was I'm going to be aware when anger arises. So I picked something very charged as my very first mindfulness practice because I was so interested in it. And because I was interested in it, it it bore a lot of fruit. I was interested in how can I be mindful here? And what does it mean? And what's the experience when I am mindful there? And so if you find that that's of interest to you, go for it. And, you know, that you, you, you mentioned that at first it worked well, you know, that, that kind of, um, uh, and then it kind of dropped off. That, I think, happens, that's a very common pattern and probably will happen for most of you during this week, that in the first couple of days there'll be a lot of kind of juice of, oh, here's my tasks. And, and then there's a little bit of, you know, you can do it, a little bit, you know, you might find yourself able to be with your, your activity, your short activity and your chore. And something about our minds, you know, this is a pattern of all of our minds, is once we've figured, we've figured something out, the interest drops. <laughs> oh, I've got that check done. And, and then we see, we see the mindfulness falling away. And so there needs to be at that point a little bit of a 
not, you know, not just a kind of reminder, oh, okay, I'm seeing this habit of mind to feel like I figured it out and, you know, to let go of that interest. And, you know, sometimes actually the interest and incentive falls off too when we see that there's, there's less, um, less reactivity or charge in a situation around the mindfulness. And, and, you know, the motivation has been to reduce that uh, reactivity somewhat. And so when the reactivity reduces, it's like, oh, we don't need to be mindful there anymore. <laughs> so if you can just in those moments of seeing it fall off during the week, just see if you can reconnect with the intention. Okay, I want to I wanna keep trying, you know, keep engaging with this. There's, there may be still more to learn here. And, and maybe at that point, it's not so much of just trying to force yourself to be mindful, but being more curious about why you're not mindful. You know, what, what is it, that's, what is it that, that's in the way? You may start with some mindfulness, but then you just see your mind kind of drift off into thought. Or, oh, okay, so, so get, getting curious about that as well. Any other? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a mic. Um, yeah, I have a question regarding the second activity. Um, so, can I think of something that um, I could change over the week? Like, let's say that tomorrow I'm doing brushing my teeth. But then on Tuesday, I will do washing the dishes. Or is it I'm going to do that one thing the whole week? Or can I pick two things? Or You're welcome your to pick as many as you like. Okay. And I would encourage you to stay with them over the week because it will shift and change over the week. Um, so, you know, you could pick two or three chores if you wished, you know, and just see if you can remember them all. Any, any, anything you have inspiration for. But it is useful to begin to recognize that you might be able to do it with brushing your teeth one day and not the next. You know, what, what's different the next day? So you just kind of begin to see that what, what gets in the way. Yeah. And then over here. Um, I'm So the, this is a great question. I really appreciate your asking it. 
Um, uh, the ultimate goal of the mindfulness, I would say, is that when we become mindful of what's happening in our hearts, in our minds, I mean, essentially the practices, the tools that I'm describing here are supports for establishing mindfulness in daily life. They're supports for um, getting to the place where we can be more aware of what's happening around us and in our own hearts and minds. Ultimately, I would say the purpose is to really get familiar with what's happening in our own hearts and minds. When we're contracted, when we're um, reactive, and when our hearts are more open and uh, receptive. The, um, the uh, struggles, the suffering that we often experience in our lives are largely related to our relationship to what's happening and not so much about what's, what's actually happening in the world. So things can be happening in the world. You know, the, just, just the simple examples that we heard today, um, you know, hearing the sound and having judgment arise, hearing the sound and having irritation arise, um, that the uh, the suffering or the lack of well-being in our own hearts and minds in those situations is more about the judgment and the uh, irritation than it is about the situation. And so we begin to see how our own mental reactivity begins to contribute to our own lack of well-being. And because of that, the, the, um, our system, in a way, you know, as, as, um, as we explore mindfulness with this perspective of being curious about what's happening in our hearts and minds, you know, what's going on, you know, the, oh, there's reactivity, there's, there's irritation, oh, that hurts. You know, as we see uh, anger hurts, as we see irritation hurts, frustration hurts, impatience hurts, the mind begins to orient towards letting go of those and moving more towards balance of mind kindness, uh, generosity, compassion as qualities of mind rather than reactivity, greed, aversion, confusion. So that, that, that's a very brief description of kind of the purpose of mindfulness practice in general and the power that it has in our daily lives. I mean, this is what we're doing on the cushion is to begin to explore the reactivity in our, in our minds and begin to recognize that... Um, so much of our suffering is a result of what our minds are doing. Um, and I've spent a lot of time talking this week, and so I'd actually might maybe point you to a couple of talks I gave this week on the, the caveat about that, which is there are things happening in the world, you know, that are really, you know, we don't want them to be happening for good reason, you know. Uh, racism, war, poverty, oppression, you know, it's, we, we, we see that, um, that suffering is happening in the world because of really unhelpful conditions in the world. And so, you know, what does it mean to become mindful of my reactivity to that? Does it just mean I'm like, oh, you know, racism in the world? Well, that's just the way it is. That's not what happens with this practice of mindfulness and beginning to uh, 
recognize what's going on, both externally and internally, what seems to happen is we recognize externally what's happening when, when that external thing is uh, creating suffering in the world, is that our hearts respond with compassion instead of reactivity. So instead of anger at the situation or indifference at the situation, there's a heart that wants to act to alleviate suffering. And so you know, the, the um, exploring the possibility of letting go of reactivity, of, of the ways in which we create suffering, both in ourselves and in the world. You know, reactivity also creates suffering in the world when we're letting it explode out into the world. Um, so the, um, uh, the possibility of uh, opening to our reactivity and kind of purifying ourselves of that, beginning to recognize, oh, that's painful in our own hearts and minds. Our hearts begin to move away from that towards not only just the, the sense of balance of mind and, and equanimity, but towards compassionate action in the world, towards love as an expression of this heart that's non-reactive. And so that's, that's the direction that this goes. And so often we cultivate the possibility of doing that on the cushion, but don't explore how it might be possible in the midst of the world. And I think that the midst of the world needs it a lot. So, does that, does that help? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other questions? Yeah. So, when you were describing how you use daily life to understand your anger, something came up for me. And is um, what comes up when I cannot find my eyeglasses. It's like after, it's like once, it's like after I cannot find them, then there's that, it's the reaction of not finding them. Uh That's what it is. Uh So I I want to choose that, and I'm I'm just exploring and, and thinking and analyzing, well, what it is that I want to explore is the reaction to it, or what are the conditions that make me forget that I forget the eyeglasses, or oh, I'm trying to resolve them, <laughs> I'm trying to, or, or, or the attitude of wanting to get rid of the problem. So, I would say what's most obvious in the moment when you recognize that you've lost your eyeglasses, in that moment, what's most obvious is, is a reaction in the body of fear that that is what I would start with. And as you begin to explore that, some of the other things you mention might also come along for the ride. So, you know, you might, you might begin to, as you, as you begin to see the moment of, um, oh, lost my eyeglasses and the fear, and it's like, yeah, I have that too. You know, if I am really blind, if I don't know where I put my glasses down, I'm like... <laughs> you know, going like that to try to find them. And I know that moment of fear. And I've practiced with that, too. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, so but, but it also may help you to, to see, um, you know, some of the other pieces around it. Like, what is it that leads to that fear? Um, it might, it might um, let you see, you know, as you orient around mindfulness around your glasses, 
it might help you kind of naturally become more aware when you put them down, therefore taking the problem away. <laughs> so, so, you know, just, just see what happens. But what I'd encourage is whatever you mo- was most obvious when you remember, that's what you should explore. And see what else happens around it. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions or comments? Okay. Um, so um, let's take a brief break, say about five minutes. Then we'll come back. I'll do a very kind of short guided meditation and then explore the last piece that I want to explore with you. We end at 4.30. So let's make this, let's say until 10 of, uh, so about an eight-minute break. Silent break. And just see what it means to see if you can explore the possibility of being mindful for this eight minutes. What's obvious? Relax and what's obvious? What's obvious? 